Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, so glad that you are here. And if, if you happen to be new to CCV, I just want to let you know, we, we are one church meeting in 14 locations across the valley because our vision is to reach the valley for Christ. But this weekend, we no longer have 14 campuses. This weekend, we launch on Easter our 15th CCV campus in the heart of our city. Uh, hey, all across our campuses, would you help me welcome CCV Downtown Phoenix? We walk, love you guys. So excited for uh, our campus pastor, Dan, the whole entire staff. Uh, we really believe being in the heart of our city, God's going to do some amazing things. So you should go check it out sometime. It's, it's a pretty great campus. As we get started for Easter, though, what I want to do is I want to start today by asking everyone a question, and I just want you to answer it honestly. You ready? I just wonder if there's anyone here today that would admit that you feel distant from God. You know, I think it's one thing to feel distant from someone around you that, that you love and you care about. Uh, for example, uh, it was last month, um, it was at night, I was crawling into bed, getting tucked into bed. Um, by, that sounds weird, like I'm getting tucked into bed. Like, you know, like no one's, my wife's not tucking me into bed, okay? But Jamie and I are getting into bed and she leans over and just kind of quietly says, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Um, you seem really distant lately. And I was thinking, girl, I know how to solve that right now, all right? <laughs> That's not what she was talking about, by the way. And so we, we got to have this conversation just um, about how to bridge the gap. And it was actually a really powerful conversation. It was really helpful. Um, not all those conversations are, but this one was, right? That's with someone else. When you feel distant from God, how do you bridge that gap? Like, what do you do? And maybe the more important question is, what's caused the distance that you feel with God? Because like any relationship, if you don't know what's caused the distance, it's impossible to bridge the gap, right? You don't even know what caused it. What, what do you think has caused the distance between you and God if that's what you feel today? You know, a lot of people, you, you may put the blame on God a little bit. You know, maybe life hasn't turned out the way you thought. Um, coming into the service, I met a woman and she said, I'm a Seahawks fan and a cat lover. And I was like, I am so sorry. You know, I mean, maybe, but in all honesty, maybe for you, you never expected to be sitting here and you went through that divorce. You never thought you'd get that text message about a loved one or, or some tragic event that is just, it still impacted you to this day. You never thought you'd struggle so deeply with your mental health, with anxiety and depression, or maybe even an addiction. So maybe, you know, you kind of point fingers here and there, but my experience as a pastor is when you get people alone and you kind of strip away all the pretense and you say, like, what's going on? Like, why do you really feel distant from God? Most people, my experience is they don't point fingers as much as they point fingers right here. Because we know our own messes, right? We know the decisions we've made that have led us to where even we're at today. We know there's some decisions we made when people said, don't do it. We did it. We know about spring break last year. We know about spring break 2007. Okay, some of you are a little older. Spring break 1977, okay? <laughs> I mean, we, we know. Now, whatever you think has caused the distance today, if that's what you feel, what I wanna do this Easter is I wanna show you how you can make sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that there isn't one inch of distance between you and a God 
that loves you beyond what you can ever imagine. It is the story of Easter, but I wanna take you to a specific place in the Easter story I have never heard a message on in my life. I'm sure it's been taught, and I'm, maybe some of you have heard it, I just haven't. And what I wanna teach you about this Easter is what happened the moment, the nanosecond, Jesus took his last breath on the cross. It's the very first thing God did when he breathed his last breath. Do you know what it is? Whether you do or don't, the, the big idea this Easter is this. The first thing God does after Jesus' last breath is the one thing we need to be reconnected to God. Now I'm gonna tell you that thing that happened right when Jesus breathed his last breath, but before I do, hang with me for a moment because I wanna take a couple minutes explaining why it matters so much. John 3.16 is the most famous verse in all of scripture. You could probably quote it even if you're not a church person at all. It's that God so loved you that he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to save you. And when Jesus, that first Easter, is hanging on the cross, we're gonna turn to Mark chapter 15 today, and I wanna show you. I'm gonna start here in verse 34. It says this, Jesus is on the cross, and at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you, say the bold out loud, why have you forsaken me? Do you know what the word forsaken means? It means for someone to leave, for there to be a desert, for there to be a distance, forsaken. And if you today are here today and you feel a distance between you and God, did you know that Jesus knows exactly how you feel? He was there in this very moment. You'd say, why was Jesus completely distanced and separated from God? Because what happened in this moment on the cross is at this very moment in history, Jesus took all the sins, past, present, and future, of all mankind and put those sins on himself. Now what is sin? Sin is simply to miss the mark, to do what you shouldn't do, or to do at least what you know God says you shouldn't do, and all of us have sinned. And in this moment, Jesus takes every sin in humanity and puts it on himself. And in that moment, he's separated from God, which tells us what? There's only one thing that separates us from God when we feel the distance from God, and that is our own sin. And I love the way 1 Peter puts it. 1 Peter 2.24 says, he, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. And so he was separated when he took our sins, and it's our sin that separates us from a holy and righteous God. You have to understand, see, people don't think about this way. God is perfect. We are not. And, and, and only perfect people go to heaven, and we are not, which means we have been separated from God, and God needs to provide a way for us to be reconnected or forgiven. Isaiah 59, 2 puts it this way, it's your sins that have cut you off from God separated you from God. And I don't know about you, but that's a convicting verse for me because anyone else here know how deep of a sinner you are? I do. Some of you are like, the pastor's saying he's a deep sinner? You better believe I am. You better believe it. In fact, if you don't, you don't think I'm a sinner, go ask my wife and kids. They will tell you a load. I've done things I, I promise I would never do. I've looked at things I shouldn't look at. 
I have spoken to my wife and kids in ways that, that make me cringe. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, some of you on the way to church today <laughs> blew up on your family in the car, right? It was all this tension for Easter and you were like, shut up! You shut up, we're going to bleep in church and we're gonna worship Jesus and you're gonna get out of this car and you're gonna smile like you love Jesus. You hear me? And then you got out and you're like, hey everybody, how you guys doing? You know, it's like. That same Jesus you came to worship is the same Jesus that hung on a cross and took all of your sin upon himself. And watch this, this is gonna be our verse. Mark chapter 15, verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathes his last breath. He died with all of your sin on him. And here it is, verse 38. The, what happened the very next moment? The curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The very first thing that happened the moment Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross is there was a curtain in the temple that was torn in two. And if you miss the significance of this curtain that was torn, you will miss the message of Easter. I wanna explain it to you today. This curtain is a curtain that was inside the temple in Jesus' day. It was not far from where he was crucified and it's where everyone went to worship. And when you look at a cross section of the temple, there's a little small room in the temple called the Holy of Holies. It's this room right here. And no one, no one could enter the Holy of Holies. It's where God's presence existed. Only one priest once a year could enter, just peek into, barely enter to offer forgiveness and, and, and sacrifice for the sins of all the people. Otherwise, no one could enter this this, this room, and it was separated by this curtain right here that was massive. You couldn't even believe how, uh, this doesn't do it justice, it was 60 to 70 feet high. Think about that. You got 10 foot ceilings, imagine 70 foot ceilings. It was 30 feet wide, and the Jewish um, writings tell us it was the width of a human hand, it was about four inches thick. You thought you had nice curtains, okay? Imagine a curtain that was impenetrable. It was massive, it was huge. What does this curtain represent? This curtain represents our sin. This curtain or veil, as it's called, is a visual, physical barrier showing that access to God was strictly prohibited because of God's holiness and our sinfulness. We are separated from God because of our sin. And what does Jesus do the moment he takes his last breath on the cross and because of his blood and because he was perfect? This curtain that for all humanity has separated mankind from God because of sin is ripped in two and will never be put back again. Do you understand the significance of what Jesus did for you on a cross? The first thing God does after Jesus' last breath is the one thing we need to be reconnected to God. The blood of Jesus, the only perfect person who's ever lived, became the sacrifice that removed every barrier that would ever exist between you and a God who loves you if you'd rely on Jesus. 
He came to take your sin away. He came to take your shame away. He came to take the guilt you feel for the things you know you've done and the things I know I've done that are wrong. And the question today is, is have you relied on what Jesus did for you on a cross and the power of his resurrection three days later? Because you do not have to spend one more minute or hour separated from God, feeling distant from God, if you rely on Jesus. And the question is, if you feel, or the statement would be this, if you feel distance from God at all right now, one of two things has happened. One, you have never truly given your life to Jesus and been baptized and relied on the forgiveness he can give you. Two is, you may have done that at some point, but you've walked away. You've forgotten what he did for you and you're living life for yourself in sin. And what I wanna do today is I wanna help you understand where you're at today, especially those of you that have maybe never made a decision to follow Jesus and accept the forgiveness he wants to give you, the veil being torn. You'd say, how would I know if, if I've gone all in with Jesus, like I've driven a stake in the ground and I am forgiven? I'm glad you asked, because I wanna explain it in very simple language. I like to make it simple. If you take all of scripture, I like to explain it in A, B, C terminology. It's as simple as A, B, and C. You have to admit you have a problem. You have to believe Jesus is the answer and you have to commit by repenting and being baptized. I wanna walk you through each of these really quick because this is very important for someone here today. One is you have to admit you have a problem. You know, so many people don't admit they have a problem as, as simple as this is. See, a lot of people don't admit that sin has separated them from God because here's what they think. I'm not separated from God, I'm a good person. I mean, compared to everyone else around me, I'm doing just fine. And good people go to heaven, and I'm a good person, so I'm good. This is such a, a worldview of so many people that is not found anywhere in, the, in Scripture. God doesn't think this, by the way. By the way, if, if, if you've ever thought this before, that good people go to heaven, think about this. Why would God have to send his only son to die for you if good people go to heaven? Do you understand that makes a mockery of the cross? And good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Because no one is good. Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. When it says all, you know what the Greek word for all is? That would be all. <laughs> all of us. All of us have sinned. We've fallen short, which means what? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come as sinners in need of a savior, which means this, the nails didn't keep Jesus on the cross. Did you know that? He could have got off that cross at any moment. What kept Jesus on the cross? Our sin. And I praise God that he stayed there to give his life as a ransom for mine if I'd rely on Jesus. And when you understand the holiness of God and how imperfect we are, you realize you need Jesus more than you could ever imagine. So A, you have to admit you have a problem, that's a big deal, and then B, you have to believe that Jesus is the answer, the only answer. He's the only answer, that's it. Now listen to this, Acts 4.12 says this, salvation, being reconnected to God, having peace with God is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. That's it. 
God sent Jesus as plan A to reconcile you to him, and there's no plan B. And, and the problem nowadays is, is a lot of people think, well, I believe in Jesus, so I'm good, right? I mean, I believe in him, and I know he came, and he, he did a great thing on the cross, and praise God for that, and man, I'm, he sounds like a pretty cool guy. I wanna read you one of the most convicting verses in all of scripture to me. James, Jesus' brother, who did not believe in Jesus when he was on this earth, by the way, would you believe your brother if he told you he was the savior of the world? No. But when your brother dies and rises again on the third day, you would. <laughs> Only one person's done that. And Jesus raises again. James obviously becomes a follower. He writes the book of James, James 2.19. He says, do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you've done something wonderful? Just believing? Well, that's just great. The demons do that. And what good does that do them? In other words, Satan and his demons believe. They know who Jesus is. That doesn't save them. You have to move beyond belief. To what? Committing. See, you have to commit your life to Jesus by repenting and being baptized. What does repentance mean? Repentance literally means for you to make a U-turn with your life. For you to say, I'm tired of living my life for myself and I do my own thing. I make my own decisions. No, I'm gonna turn and follow Jesus. He's now my leader and my king. And when you make that decision, you're baptized because when you're baptized, you physically do with your, with your body what Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection. Watch this. When you go underneath the water, you're dying to yourself. Just like you're representing Jesus' death. And when you come out of the water, it represents Jesus' resurrection and you are raised to life as a brand new person. That's why baptism is so beautiful. It is the picture. It's you outwardly committing what you've decided in your heart to live for Jesus. And in scripture, almost every single time someone decides to commit their life to Jesus, they do these two things. They repent and they're baptized. Just go read the book of Acts over and over and over again. In fact, in the book of Acts, right after Jesus tears the veil, right after he dies, he rises from the grave three days later, he conquers death and sin and offers you forgiveness. Peter gets up and preaches about Jesus to the very first people that have ever heard of the risen Savior, and they're cut to the heart like some of you right now, and they go, what should we do? What should we do, Peter? Watch what Peter says. Acts 3, 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness, for the forgiveness of your sins, to be reconciled to God. And watch what happens once you're forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. Remember I showed you that picture where God dwelt, the Holy of Holies? When you follow Jesus, where does God dwell now? In your heart. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead comes inside of your life and gives you the power to live the life you want and God wants for you. So the question is, have you ever, ever had a defining moment where you admitted you had a problem, you believed Jesus is the answer, and you committed your life by repenting and being baptized. Have you ever done that? You know where some of us are today? We've admitted and we've believed, but we've never really committed. We've got one foot in and one foot out. We're wavering with Jesus. And, and you know, we live in a, a world that is a, a low commitment, 
high complacency world today. We just are. And I can say that because I've been there. In fact, do you know when I met my wife, Jamie, um, in college, do you know I had one foot in with her and one foot in with another girl? Don't judge me. I saw that. Some girl's like, how dare you? Hey, man, I was dumb. I was 19, okay? And I was literally trying to quasi-date two girls at the same time. And Jamie came to me when she found out, because I was trying to keep it a secret. She found out, and she came to me, and in so many words, she said, listen, big boy. It's time to choose. You're either all in with me or you are all out. And it is time, because God's gonna call someone here today to commit. It is time to stop wavering. And you have no idea what hangs in the balance in your life if you don't stop wavering with God. You think you can overcome the issues you have in your life on your own? without God's spirit inside of you, some of you carry so much shame and you will never overcome it until you give your life to Jesus and experience his forgiveness. Some of you have a marriage or relationship that's dead. Relationships and marriages don't work without Jesus at the center transforming two people. Some of you have an addiction. You understand beneath every addiction is shame and hurt that must be dealt with and it can only be dealt with truly by Jesus coming and transforming your life. Some of you have anxiety and depression and you just struggle so much. How do you deal with that without the power of Jesus, the way God created you to live? Some of you have so much success today. And I know you're successful and congratulations. But what you know is underneath the success, you still feel empty. Because no amount of money or success, or power, or prestige can fill the God-sized hole that exists in your heart. You can't fill that hole with more money, more stuff. It can only be filled with Jesus. Jesus. Now listen, don't take that from me. I wanna show you three stories from people last Easter that realized that, and they went all in. Watch this. So I identified with my success, and, um, and I liked the way that people viewed me because they would kind of put me on a pedestal sometimes, like, hey, you've done really well, you're successful, you have all the stuff. But I went through um, some rough times in my life that, that cost me a marriage, it cost me my relationships with my kids. Um, I focused on all the material things in life it was all about my mentality was, the more I can give to my kids and my family, the more that they're gonna be happy and the more I'll be happy and the more they're gonna love me as a dad. But um, worldly things don't fill your heart the way that um, spiritual things do. I felt so alone for the longest time. It took me a while to realize I was depressed. You know, I didn't know who I was. I was just so lost. I felt like that was gonna be my life. Like, all right, this is what life is about. I had tried seeing therapists and taking, you know, medication for my depression, which, you know, that, that, that stuff is all good, but I still was not, I felt empty, basically. I still felt like something was missing. My father left me when I was about four, 
and had a stepfather come in the picture uh, for a number of years. Um, I started getting to drugs and alcohol, you know, when I was 12. Um, started hanging around kids I shouldn't be hanging around. Just not living in, in uh, you know, God's will at all. You know, trying to go to church here and there, um, but it slowly started to kind of be like a thing where I didn't really want to go to church anymore because when you're living in the, that kind of dark realm of life, you're not really, you're kind of trying to have the best of both worlds, but it doesn't really work like that because it's either you're one foot in over here, one foot out, you know what I mean? I was in and out of multiple different sober livings, you know, different detoxes throughout the valley, uh, in and out of homelessness, and, uh, you know, still trying to think that I can do this and have another way of uh, trying to manipulate and trying to take control of my own life, right? I finally got to a point where um, it sucked. It was horrible. I didn't like who I was, and um, I felt like a failure, and I had a lot of guilt because of that. I just kind of figured, if this is it, um, it's not that great. So we decided I, we were gonna look at three or four different churches. Well, we went to CCV and, and um, we just never went anywhere else. We, uh, after attending for a few years, we decided, uh, my wife and I, that, um, that we'd get baptized. And so that really was um, what we did. And so it was a month or two before Easter and we decided um, let's get get baptized on Easter, and uh, I look back on it now, and um, it was the biggest and the best blessing I could have ever had in my life. It allowed me to really uh, reboot, to start over, to do things His way and not my way, and it gave me that peace in my life, and so that's really what I was lacking. So last Easter, when I walked and went into church that day, I, I went, you know, sat down for the service, watched the service, and I remember seeing some individuals, you know, sharing their story and a little bit of their testimony that I can definitely relate with. And I just remember um, breaking down into tears during that service, just like bawling and just feeling the Holy Spirit infiltrate my heart and trying to be like, okay, you know, this is time. This needs to happen today. And when I got baptized on this last Easter, right after that, that baptism, you know, there was definitely, you know, some challenges within my life. You know, I thought everything would be all good when I got baptized, right? But it's, it, it, it's just not the case. You know, sometimes there, there's things that happen and, you know, that's okay, right? As long as I know that Christ is with me, I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. So I, I truly believe that I will be okay if I keep God at the center of my life today. And then finally, I'm just like, I need to surrender it all. You know, like I've tried everything, basically. I need to just give it all to him. Like, what am I gonna lose? And you know, that's when I realized, hey, in order for me to fully surrender, I, I need to get baptized. I wanna say it was probably, I think like a week before Easter, I decided, okay, you know, I, I wanna do it on this day. Cause you know, it represents when he was resurrected. And then my my mom had been wanting to get baptized for a while. And then that day, you know, she didn't know, but she decided she was gonna get baptized that day. And me and my mom have been through a lot together too. She's been through a lot, we've been through a lot together. Like, And so to see her get baptized, it was awesome. And that we were able to do together. He just showed me so many, so many great things and 
and he just showed me how to walk with him in life. But she just brought so much, so much joy and and confidence, and I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared to walk this life. Um, so he's transformed me. You know, he really has created a new person for me. We thank God for that new life. I, I love what she said at the end. He's transformed me. That's what Jesus does. Do you need that? Some of you say, well, I, I, I do, but I, I messed up too bad. Actually, I, I've sinned too big. I'm too far gone. Look at me. Don't you dare think that. Jesus didn't go to the cross for small sins. He went to the cross for all sins. And there's no sin too big that the cross of Jesus can't forgive you. I mean, the Apostle Paul, think about this. The Apostle Paul, he murdered Christians. Have you been murdering Christians? Okay, God changed his life, transformed him, and used him for a great purpose. And that's what God can do with your life. You just gotta say yes. You just gotta say yes. So, let me tell you the greatest lie people believe. They think this, I wanna commit, but I gotta clean up my life first. That is the greatest lie Satan will ever tell you. You wanna know why? Because... You can't clean your life up on your own. You're basically telling God, hey God, I'll be worthy, I'll earn it, and then I'll come back and you'll accept me. Wrong. Let, let's go back to our, our verse for today. When Jesus split the curtain into God, because of Jesus split the curtain into, what does it say? Let's read it again. The curtain of the temple was torn into from where? Say it out loud. Top to bottom. Who tore the curtain? God. This is a 70 foot tall curtain. No human could possibly tear a curtain four inches thick from top to bottom. Only God can do that. And God is the one who does the work of salvation, not you. So you don't wait. You don't wait to clean your life up. You bring your messes to God and say, God, can you do this? And God says, that's my specialty. My specialty is bringing dead things back to life. That's what he does. So don't you hold off. In fact, I love what Ephesians says. It says this, for it's by grace that you've been saved through, through faith. This is not from yourselves. You don't earn it. You don't wait. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Someone might say this, well, I want to do that, but I mean, I've kind of always believed, and you know, I've kind of always been a Christian, and, my, and I got baptized when I was an infant. Do I really need to be baptized as an adult? I know this is a sensitive topic for some of you, but because you think maybe you'd be saying what your parents did was wrong, it, quite the contrary, they helped point you to Jesus, but do you understand, you need to make the decision for yourself. All throughout scripture, we see Jesus as our example, even this, he was baptized as an adult. There's, there's no example of an infant being baptized. It doesn't mean what your parents did was wrong. It just means that you have to make a decision for yourself. It'll rely on that decision you're making. You'd say, can I get baptized twice? I was. Did you know that? I was baptized as a young child. I had no clue what I was doing. And later on, I realized I had no clue. I got baptized when I made it my decision and God transformed my life. Do you need to choose Jesus? Do you need to admit you have a problem 
believe Jesus is the answer and commit your life by repenting and being baptized. You'd say, I didn't didn't even come prepared to do that today. We came prepared for you. We're always prepared. In fact, after every service at every baptistry, we have a change of clothes. We have a shirt and shorts in all sizes. We have a towel. We came ready for you because God's been waiting on you. And God's been waiting on some of you for a long time. And it's time. It's time to stop wavering. When, when you're baptized here at CCB, we give you a shirt that says changed. And the reason why is because when you watch the faces of someone being baptized, you see relief. You see forgiveness. You see unspeakable joy. You see a changed life. It's undeniable. Every person that chooses Jesus has a changed life. Anxiety and depression, shame, fear, everything that holds you back bows at the power and the blood of Jesus. And what I wanna do right now is I just wanna give you a moment to make a decision. I'm gonna show you the rest of those three stories. Our our band's gonna play one song, but I just wanna give you a chance to make a decision to follow Jesus, to go all in. And here's my only ask. As As you listen to this song, which talks about Jesus and it has a line in there about the veil being torn, would you make a decision, do I need to follow Jesus today? And here's, here, here's what you do. If, if God says yes, if you hear him tugging on your heart, you just be obedient. You just say yes. You say yes, because it's time to stop wavering. Just like these three, watch this. I, I, I had no confidence in who I was. I had no clue who I was, and now, like, I, I know who I am. Like, all I gotta do is open up his word and I see it right there, you know, and I know it and I believe it and I feel it. And I know I can trust in him and his promises. My life is better with Christ because if I didn't have Christ, I truly don't believe I would be here today. Honestly, God just transformed everything and anything in my life today. I think that having Christ in my life today has allowed me to be an example of what he has done and what he can do in other people's lives as well. God kind of broke me down a little bit so he could rebuild me the way he wanted me. And um, it allowed me to uh, give up some of that guilt that I had, some of that depression. And um, it's such a relief and a blessing to be able to give that up to God and to know that he has totally forgiven you. and. It's like a fresh slate. You're starting over again. You don't have to carry all those burdens anymore. He, um, He saved me.
It's A, it's the name of Jesus. The name that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. But you need to confess him here on earth or there is no hope for eternity. So as we sing that song, what would God tell you? It's time. That's what he told some of you, it is time. And I'm gonna pray right now that God gives you the courage to follow through on whatever he is stirring in your heart right now because when you walk out of these doors, it'll be a defining moment. You can walk to your car as one option, nothing changes in your life. Or you can walk to the baptistry and you can be transformed. I'm gonna pray God gives you the courage to not put off until tomorrow the change he wants for you today, amen? Let's all pray together. God, I pray right now for the person and they know exactly who they are right now, that you're calling them to commit their life to you, to repent and be baptized, not tomorrow, not a week, not a month from now, today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, God, but today we can give our lives to you and everything changes. Father, we thank you for Easter, the message of Easter. Would all of us walk out remembering who Jesus is, that you've torn the veil, death is conquered, and we can live victoriously for you. I pray all this in Jesus' name, and all of us said, amen. Amen. Hey, if today's your day, we'll see you at the baptistry. Happy Easter, everybody.